It's important to know. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale is solely a reimagining of the novel The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and not the 1939 film or any other iteration of the story. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Aftermath For Episodes 10, 10-2, and 10-3 The Lion, The Cowardly Lion, and The Journey to the Great Oz This week was a bit of a full week. In case you're wondering why I opted for three episodes, I'll tell you. Turns out I'm not as great a planner as I would like to think, and math has reared its ugly head once again. The Wonderful Wizard of Oz has 25 chapters. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale has a grand total of 59. Some of those aren't actually labeled chapters. There's a prologue, a a two-part epilogue, and a spot in the middle jokingly titled Intermission. But for the sake of this conversation, we're just going to say 59 chapters. That means, of course, that one of two things would happen. And really, only one of those things would happen. I would either finish The Wizard of Oz about halfway through the Dark Days series. This would also mean that The Wizard of Oz chapters would fall out of sync with The Dark Days chapters. And that would mean the compare and contrast of the two would become impossible, or at the very least, way more difficult. Or, there would eventually be extremely long stretches, I'm talking weeks and weeks, without a wonderful Wizard of Oz chapter. I want the Wizard of Oz to be released as regularly as possible. If there's anyone out there just listening to those episodes... I don't want to leave them in the dark for long periods of time. So, from here on out, there will be weeks when there is the standard three episodes. And there will be weeks where there might be up to five episodes as well. As of right now, though, barring any unforeseen circumstances, Dark Days of Dorothy Gale will come to an end on November 26, 2021, instead of, you know, lasting 59 weeks. After that, who knows? I may or may not read Darker Days of Dorothy Gale. Anyway, that's the state of this podcast at the moment. Now, let's talk about this week's episodes. This week, we were introduced to The Lion, or as L. Frank Baum would like to call it, The Cowardly Lion. There isn't a lot to say about the Dark Days version. He is just a large beast at the moment. I wouldn't call him cowardly, really, but maybe breakable. And we don't really see much of him. He attacks Dorothy, but gives up pretty quickly without a fight after the woodman steps in. This chapter is really just an introduction to him, and is ultimately more about the woodman. 
we learn that he's been to the Emerald City before. But it was before it was called the Emerald City. He even describes it as quaint. I imagine his version of the city being similar to that of the Hyrule Castle Town of the Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. I know that's a pretty old reference, and maybe even pretty niche today, but in my youth I played a lot of video games, and the stories and locales were an influence that really stuck with me, and will likely always stick with me. We get a nice moment between our adventurers here as well as they all take a moment to contemplate the changing world. Of course, this moment is ruined by the mentally unstable woodman when he pulls a fistful of straw out of the scarecrow's chest. I imagine this as being kind of a Mortal Kombat moment. Like, if the Tin Woodman were in the 90s version of the games, his fatality would simply be the act of pulling out a still-beating heart of his enemy. Of course, by today's Mortal Kombat standards, it would be far more gruesome, like chopping off every extremity and then pulling out the beating heart. Again, with the video games? I digress. We also get a nice moment here between the Woodman and the Scarecrow after Dorothy goes missing. He's actually a little compassionate here, reassuring the Scarecrow that Dorothy likely didn't abandon him. She just didn't seem the type. Of course, this all leads up to the actual introduction of the lion. He's described as being twice the size of even the biggest lion in Dorothy's world. I have some continuity issues with this beast throughout these Dark Dorothy Gale books. Sometimes he might seem a little bit bigger than that, and sometimes maybe even a little smaller. I figure, in this world of Oz that I'm crafting is fairly unstable and ever-changing, though, so the size of the lion is ultimately trivial in the grand scheme of things. Again, we don't see much of him, just the attack, and again at the end when he tries, and fails, to intimidate the woodman. This chapter is also the moment the woodman becomes the true villain. He snaps upon the realization that Dorothy was not only in the woods with his wife's picnic basket, but also filling it with the same apples that led to her own tragic fate. This moment just feels visceral to me. In The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, of course, we get a much lighter tale. The lion jumps out and attacks everyone, but nobody really gets hurt. In fact, all it takes for him to break down emotionally is a good swat on the nose and a scolding from a little girl. I just want to point out that I love my dog. But if a lion is about to eat her, well, she's probably going to be eaten. Baum, for whatever reason, decided against really giving any history or backstory to his lion. He was just born that way. The Dark Days lion at the moment is pretty shallow and flat as well. But rest assured, he is going to become more complex as the story progresses. Baum's cowardly lion is fairly animated, though. What he lacks in personal history, he makes up for with dialogue and personality. He spends a lot of time admitting he's a coward. He also doesn't seem that bright either, does he? I mean, he's clearly been following these travelers for a while, and yet he doesn't realize that one of them is made of tin, 
and the other one is a freaking scarecrow. Not to mention, he doesn't realize that Toto is a dog. But then again, that one seems kind of fair, as dogs don't seem to exist in Oz. Let's address a couple of things right here, right now, just in case you haven't noticed. No, my version does not feature Toto, and it will never feature Toto. And no, the lion in Dark Days of Dorothy Gale does not speak. He does not speak in Darker Days either. And at the moment, I have no plans on making him speak in any future story. My decision of leaving Toto out was mostly because I just don't want to have to explain what he's doing at any given time. I didn't want to constantly be writing, Toto growled in anger, or Toto whimpered in fear, or and Dorothy had to pick up Toto to do this or that, etc., etc. Also, I just didn't want Dorothy to have to worry about her pet, because I didn't want the reader to have to worry about her pet. I wanted the focus to be on her and her survival. Also, I feel like Toto is kind of a useless character. He really only serves in this particular story to keep Dorothy in danger and trouble. Remember, he's the reason she's in Oz in the first place. Had he not ran off, she would have made it to the cellar. She almost fell out of the house in the cyclone because of him. And she could have been eaten by a lion because of him. Toto? Toto's a little troublemaker. Anyway, my decision to keep the lion voiceless was partly because I just didn't want any more dialogue. Also, talking animals just aren't really my jam outside of children's cartoons. Not that I have a problem with children's cartoons, or even Narnia for that matter. It's just that I personally did not want to write for a talking lion. I like the idea that he's silent, that there's an air of mystery that comes with him. Like I said, he will become more complex as the story progresses, and I liked the challenge of creating a character that you, the reader, or listener, will come to respect and understand without the need for heavy-handed dialogue. One of my biggest issues with The Wonderful Wizard of Oz is that Baum really, really likes to hit you over the head with his message. The woodman can't stop complaining about his heart, or lack of heart, and the scarecrow can't stop thinking about not being able to think, while the lion wants to make sure everyone knows he's a coward and ashamed of being one. But you know, again, it's a children's story from 1900, so maybe a little more understanding and a little less criticism is in order. This week was also the road to the Great Oz. This chapter is a fun adventure, and it has no Dark Days equivalent. This chapter finds the travelers faced with a variety of problems, and helps build the world of L. Frank Baum's Oz. The travelers find themselves on the road again, but stopped by the obstacle of a great ditch, at the bottom of which was large, jagged rocks. Of course, the scarecrow proves his thinking ability, and the lion his bravery, when they come to the conclusion the only solution is to jump over it. I like the idea that the scarecrow is a little bit worried that the lion isn't going to properly jump because he isn't getting a running start. I suppose it kind of just depends on how you read it. 
Is he asking why the lion doesn't take a running start because he's just curious about lions? Or is he suggesting the lion take a running start? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why don't you why don't you go ahead and take a running start? Or is it like, hey, why is it lions don't take a running start? Either way, it amuses me. Of course, the story progresses and we find ourselves at a second ditch. Again, the problem solved by the Scarecrow's quick thinking. And this time, the Tin Woodman's ability to chop down a large tree in order to make a bridge across it. We also get a taste of the other perils that come with this world Dorothy finds herself in. We come across the Kaleidas. I love these creatures. And while they do not appear in dark days this early on, they do have an important role later on. So you'll just have to keep coming back to find out what that role is. The Kaleidas are, of course, short-lived creatures, yet again, as the Scarecrow thinks up a solution to this problem by simply chopping down the bridge they used to cross the ditch. And it works, so imagine that. This chapter ends on a very hopeful note, however, with Dorothy sleeping comfortably and dreaming of getting back home. Before we go, I want to take a minute to talk about my voices. The hardest part of reading an audiobook, for me anyway, is something I never thought I would have an issue with. And that is the voices. I've always prided myself on being pretty good with silly voices and voice acting in general, but this is a problem I never knew existed. And that problem is remembering what my characters are supposed to sound like. I can't really explain how I landed on my voices for dark days. I feel they are a little bit more grounded in the form of reality. For The Wizard of Oz, however, I wanted the characters to sound far different. I didn't want any confusion between the books and readings, if that makes any sense. This was a problem, though. At one point, I flat out forgot what voice I was using for what character. So, my early recordings were just all over the place. When I relaunched the podcast, I made a concerted effort to make the voices not only memorable for you, the listener, but for me, the narrator. For my Dorothy voice for The Wizard of Oz, I try to make her sound a little smaller than that of Dark Days, for obvious reasons. She's a little girl in The Wizard of Oz, and a little bit more helpless. For my scarecrow, well, he's kind of a bad mimic of Roger Rabbit from the audible reading of Who Censored Roger Rabbit? And he has a little bit of a squeaky Jimmy Stewart to him as well. My tin woodman, however, is also a little bit obscure. I've modeled him on the 90s era of John Lovitz. You know, the SNL critic news radio high school high era of John Lovitz. That's why sometimes my Tin Woodman seems maybe a bit hyperbolic or overly dramatic, and maybe even just a little bit sarcastic. Of course, my lion, I wanted to sound far removed from the film, and what a lot of people might imagine. I wanted him to sound gruff, but still be kind of laughed at as well. And that's why he sounds like a mediocre Richard Nixon impression. 
I'm super proud of my voices here for this reading, and I hope you are enjoying them as well. I hope you're getting as much entertainment out of listening to this as I am by recording this. Anyways, that's all for this week. Be sure to come back next week when we take a walk through a deadly poppy field. Thanks for listening. I love you all.